0: family and his household and had a quick vote or hungry. It's just, he has that level of confidence that his household is going to do this thing. So even without asking them, he is stating, my household, we're going to, we're going to fall the Lord. And uh, that that to me is an inspiring, an inspiring thing to have. Mm. And um, you know, this, this idea of a household comes uh, throughout the whole of kind of God's history of, of, reaching out to people. Obviously, starts back in um, uh, with uh, with Abraham in Genesis 17. Genesis 17, 23, very briefly, it says, On that day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household that bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them, as God told him. So, again, he asks basically decided his household was going to get circumcised, and they all just did it, okay? That's not the same as telling me all go to McDonald's, okay? That's kind of a bit more intense than that. Again, this sense of a, a unity, of purpose, of heart, where with, there's a leader, but there's a real acting as one. In, in Genesis 18, 18, it says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children... And his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Again, this this idea in God's mind, and I'm going to direct Abraham and then he is going to direct his children and his household. So this again, this idea of God's plan seems to involve not just mum or dad, but collectively working as a, a whole household. I don't know if ever, ever, you've ever really thought about Your family in that kind of way Sometimes as parents we think about There's this child and they've got those problems And there's that child and they've got these problems And we think We, we can think about things kind of per child But I want us to think about Household, yeah. This idea of a household. Um, you know, God does amazing things to households. You know, in one Chronicles thirteen fourteen, it says the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months, and the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. So it was it was it was Dad's decision to keep the ark, but it wasn't that Dad didn't just get the blessing. The household got the blessing of a spiritual decision. An interesting one in, in uh, Micah 7.6 says, uh, For a son dishonors his father, and a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. So here the prophet is trying to give a, a picture to um, God's people of, of how bad things are. And he's trying to think, how can, what image can I come up with that is so terrible... That it will communicate to God's people how God feels about the land. So he comes he paints this picture of, I know if I just if I just say to him, imagine your household wasn't acting like a household, and everybody goes, oh man, that's so bad. What a terrible image. But that's how God thinks about the nation. So this idea of. A, 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 a household is supposed to be this kind of entity that's that's all living for God. Um, and we go into the New Testament now very brief, briefly. John four fifty three it talks about the royal official and his whole household believed. In Acts eleven fourteen we talk about Cornelius and his his whole household will be saved. Acts sixteen fifteen we talk about Lydia and the member members of her household were were baptized again. Not not the child of the household was baptized. Yeah. You know in Acts 18:8 talk about Crispus the synagogue leader and and his entire household believed in the Lord. And 1 Corinthians 1:16 Paul's talking about yes I went and I baptized the household of Stephanas yeah. So this idea of not just individuals but a household. Mm-hmm. And the great thing we get to be as parents is we get to lead not individual children. We get to leave a household. Yeah, so I don't know whether, if you ever thought about this. Maybe you had or you had a dream, and that dream is still vibrant. Or maybe the dream's kind of waned a bit. Through, it's actually quite difficult, or maybe some bad experiences. I really want us to get that dream back. The dream of a household, uh, where we work as one for the Lord. Now, that's an exciting, exciting thing. Amen. Uh, Amen. You with me on that? Yeah. Okay. I think that's a great goal to have. Um, so as we look at, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures tonight. Um, I appreciate we're all in different places. Um, uh, maybe some of us don't even have kids yet. We're just kind of dreaming the dream, okay? Or maybe our babies or toddlers or infants or juniors or preteens, or teens or maybe your kids are now adults. Who knows, okay? We're still parents.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's what's exciting. We can still have this dream about... The household. Mm. So that's really what I want us to capture tonight. Um, and a, a class about often parent. I've been to parenting classes yeah. where we're in going in. I'm I'm looking for my child has a problem. I need help with that problem.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. Let's not think about that right now. Okay. I really want us to open wide our hearts as the parents, mm. as the leaders of the household. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly, absolutely. In the Q and A, we can talk about the the one specific thing that, if you did, would turn your child around. As if such a thing exists, okay? Um, but the biggest thing in our household is the leaders of the household, and, and us really having our hearts in the right place and really understanding our role in being leaders of the household. Okay, so let's let's set aside all the questions we've got to solve our kids and all their problems. Let's open wide our hearts as the leaders of these households. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's turn to Deuteronomy 6. You can't have a parenting class without talking about Deuteronomy 6. Amen. Because it is a mighty fine place to start. Um, Deuteronomy 6, uh, in verse 1. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children... And their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all these degrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. You know, what a, what a great idea. It's not just its not just you. These commandments aren't just for you. They're for you, for your children and their children after them. You know, as a, a young disciple, used to dream about having a dynasty of disciples. <laughs> yeah, not just me being a disciple, my wife being a disciple, my kids being a disciple... But then marrying a disciple, having children, who would become disciples, who would marry disciples, who would become disciples. And yet kind of Old Testament-like and kind of like the patriarchs and all the great tribes. The tribe of Rowden, we can really have one. On. But, um, but that's kind of the idea, kind of, that's the promise is to be like that. Again, this whole household and what comes, what comes after that is just exciting. Verse 3, it says, Here, Israel. And be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But the first thing I think we've got to appreciate is how amazing it is that God's allow, God allows us to create a person. Um, Isn't that incredible? Yeah. yeah, we think about God in all his creation. And we know God makes everything. And yet somehow he combines a man and a woman in a special way. And a new bit of creation is made. Okay. So we, as parents, we get to we get to create. Yeah, we get to add to God's creation. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so think we're not just having a child; we are. God is using that to create more of His creation. Mm-hmm. What an incredible thought mm-hmm. that God allows us to do that. That God cares about all of His creation. And he allows us to create a bit of it, and then we really care about that bit of creation, and we get to understand why like, I care so much about this bit of creation. How much God? How much must God care about all of creation? Yeah, and we think, what does God do with His creation? Well, He created it. He provides for it. He protects it. He guides it. He hopes for it. He teaches it. He trains it. He's He's all over it. Yeah, and He has a single purpose. Yeah, for people to choose Him and go to be with Him in heaven. That's fundamentally the purpose. Yeah? And similarly, that's our role as parents. We get to create, we get to provide and protect and teach and train. But we, are, we should have the similar purpose as God does for his, his creation, as we do for our little bit of creation. We it to choose God. That's what we want to do. And I think, kind of, we we know this as kind of parents who are disciples. Um, but I know in the in the doing of parenting, with just life and runny noses and clothes and dinners and scraped knees and scuffed shoes and the whole everything, we can sometimes push the spiritual part of being a parent. Over to the margins. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything else just fills up. Yeah. <coughs> fills that up. Yeah. yeah? I don't think God allowed us to create a bit of new creation for that purpose. It's a, for a spiritual purpose. Okay. And we got to fight to keep that as our primary goal in our parenting. That this household we want to have is a spiritual household. You know, we are... The primary spiritual influence in our child's life. Sure, they get to go to Kingdom Kids and team ministry and all the rest of that, but that's a bonus.
1: Yeah, that's
0: right. That's not. None of that is is mentioned in the Bible. Right. The parents are mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, and the duties of parents are mentioned in the Bible. So we really got to own this heart that God has with His creation that we have with our little bit of creation. It's a spiritual, mm-hmm. spiritual purpose.
2: Jemima's going to share a little bit. Just oh, hi, Jemima. I right so I won't speak into it. So, <laughs> we just read Deuteron- Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 6, and it starts with us acknowledging who God is, loving him with our all. I see our children, I'm sure most of the mums do as well, and the dads, I'm sure, as a gift from God. Um, God allowing us children Whether birth children or adopted children Is an act of love from God I really really believe that And parenting then Is our act of worship and obedience to God It's not just about the kids It's about us and God And um, that's how we parent It's it's something that God has given us to do It's an opportunity for us to live and act To please God Not ourselves and not our children Because in the run of life It can be that I just need to meet this child's needs And God goes out the window it's not a process that guarantees an outcome but the one thing that we we can do we do have control over is whether or not as parents we choose to please God in everything we do Mm -hmm. Um, what our children ultimately choose is up to them we haven't got control over that Mm -hmm. but we do have control about how we do our parenting Mm -hmm. and if we do it to please God it it makes a difference Mm -hmm. we have a huge influence and there are things that we can do things that we must do Mm -hmm. things that we shouldn't do um, that will make that big difference. Mm. Unfortunately, we want them to choose God and live for Christ, but there isn't a magic formula. I think if we could figure out what it was that every child needs to become a Christian, that would be fantastic. Mm. But there isn't any magic to that. And our joy must primarily come from pleasing God in whatever we do with our yeah. kids. It's, yeah. it's the focus of pleasing God. I often think about the parable of the talents or the, or the, the, the um, bags of loaned money. And how God gave everyone their their money or their talent according to their abilities. Someone got five, someone got two, someone got one. The five person the two person, I think, were really grateful for what they'd been given. Mm -hmm. And so they went and they did their best with it. And when the the master came back, this is in Matthew 25 if you want to read it sometime, they gave the master back double, more than the master had given them. The second, the, the third one, though, who had the one, I think he, he that, that one, according to the Bible, was equivalent of 20 years of a person's wage. So it wasn't the one wasn't little. It was quite a big lot. But that person wasn't that grateful. They didn't think God had given them anything. That was their ability, but they didn't realize that. They were ungrateful. They questioned their master's motives. I think God, our kids are an act of love from him, so his motives are love. This person didn't do that. Um, God always has things out of love for us and our children however difficult it is to parent them show us God's heart of love mm-hmm. and if we'll be grateful enough to look and to search and to find God's act of love in our kids they'll make such a big difference for us yep. Amen, mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So getting back to uh, Deuteronomy uh, 6 here you know the first part 4-6 um, to six, as Jemima says it's, it's, it's really about starting with acknowledging who God is And and loving him with our all. Okay, So that's kind of the prerequisite. Even before they start talking about being a parent. That's the kind of initial conditions for parenting. Is we acknowledge who God is. And we're going to give him our all. Mm -hmm. And then it gets on to in in verse 7. talks about impress. And that's kind of not impress as in be cool. Although... His dads are no good at being cool, okay?
1: <laughs> Amen. Isn't yeah, that right? So, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Amen. But impress in terms, you think about impress, you kind of you have a you have a, a shape and you push it into something and you remove the shape and that image of what you had is now left behind. Mm. Yeah, and the other thing. That's what it, to impress means. And and, and um, the scriptures talk about that's what we are to impress. Our children impress them on your children. Yeah, so it's almost it's almost a physical connotation. Yeah, it's not a physical. Before we go and press the Bible into our children, no.
1: Um,
0: but it's but it's that kind of level of we're, we're that determined, we're that serious. We're going to do whatever it takes to impress the the, 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 the word of God on into our children. You know, that's a very intentional act. Yeah, and and, and, a, and a lot of parenting, biblical parenting is being intentional.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, it's not about providing some nice floppy, fluffy environment. Environment is important,
1: yeah.
0: but it's so much more than that. Mm. Yeah? Impress, is go and do something. It's in, with an intent, with an with, with a, it's an intentional act, and it gives us guidance. It talks about talk about that. Yeah, when you lie down, when you get up, when you walk along the road. Blah, blah. I mean, that sounds like a lot. A lot of talking about the Word of God. Let's, let's do that then. Let's show them it in the home, outside of the home. Connect their life to what the Scriptures say. Explain yeah. your life from the point of view of the Scriptures. Yeah. So it's really making it all come alive. Um, you know, as parents, we tend to be reasonably good at that. At that. We, we tend to be really good at telling our kids the do's and the don'ts. Because yeah. we want them to do the do's and yeah. not do the don'ts. Because okay? yeah. so, we can see an immediate benefit from just... Get, telling them don't run on the road, okay? That's a good thing to tell them, okay? Mm -hmm. Because there's an immediate, there's even a safety issue to do that. So we're good at telling them the do's and the don'ts. So this, but are you impressing on them the word of the Lord? Mm -hmm. Yeah, are you bringing the Bible into all of that? Because that's what it says to do. You now then, step two is a little bit further on in um, Deuteronomy 6, verse 20. Uh, very briefly, it says, In the future, when your son asks you, What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? So, this is at some point in the future. So you've been impressing, 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 and nothing's going on. Okay? Impressing, impressing, impressing. And then one day, in the future, your son or your daughter asks you, Why are we living this way? Why are you telling me to do all this stuff? Why am I. Why why is it all coming from the Bible? Yeah. Maybe in their kind of 10, 11, 12, preteen kind of age, they start. start, Why why are we doing this? And notice this. What is the meaning of these stipulations, decrees, and the Lord God has commanded you? Not commanded me or commanded us. Why is your faith affecting my life? Yeah. That's. It's a good day when our kids start to ask that kind of a question, and then he gives us what the answer. Is in 20, verse twenty-one, it says, "Tell him we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord God brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh, on, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land He promised." Oath to our ancestors, that the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. So the question of is why? Why are we doing? Why are we being forced to live this way? Yeah. The answer is: Let me tell you about God. Yeah. Right. Amen. Let me tell you about God, who's the reason we're living this way. Not just. With, I know one of the one of the phrases parents use when kids ask why. Is because I told you so. That's not a good answer. No, it's it is right. (laughs) But it's not a good answer. Yeah, it's why? Because God loves us. Yeah? You know, kids pick up on the do's and don'ts easily. They get them all the time at home, they get them all the time at school. And they've got this kind of sketchy image of God. But we need to colour it in. We need to we need to add the blue and the red and the green and the gold. Otherwise it's just this black and white sketchy thing. Mm, yeah. We need to colour it in. Amen. So it's not just the commands, it's the character
1: mm.
0: of God. You know, when you love someone this comes easily. Yeah? You know, remember back to when you used to love your no like your spouse? That's a bad joke, okay? We all love our spouse all the time, amen, yes But amen When we were dating, okay And how did we talk about our boyfriend, girlfriend We talk about what they did He brought me flowers She made me a card That's what we talk about And they, she, he brought me flowers He's so caring So we take what they did And it tells about their character yeah. That's what we do with God yeah. Mm. We take what he's done, and we tell him about the character.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's that's what you do when you love somebody. Yeah, so that, so that hopefully, in our love for God, that overflows in our conversations with our children. Mm, you know, as, as parents, we tend to do well with the do's and the don'ts. We do less well with the, let me tell you about God.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: And so our kids end up, all they know is, this God person is all about me doing stuff and not doing stuff yeah. and that is it mm. and you, that's really hard to have a relationship yeah. it's hard to worship somebody mm. that's all you know about them mm. but if you if you've filled in the picture and you've used vibrant colors wow that's a different picture altogether mm. that engages the heart and then impe- our kids can then fall in love with God our job as parents is yes to teach them what the word says but to make the reality of God real Make it real. That's what we need to do. That's great. Good stuff. Amen. Let me have a look here. Let's... let's uh, I'm going to take an example from Eli. So let's flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Now, mm. the caveat is most fatherly examples in the Bible are bad examples, okay? So you've just got to strap yourself in to this one, all right? Okay, but there's some useful points I think we can learn. So in First Samuel uh, chapter two verse eleven it says then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under the Eli the priest. So we're introduced to Eli, who's a religious man. Okay, he is he is he is at the temple. Yeah, he is devoted. He's got a particular job. He is he he knows the word. He is he is the epitome of a, of a spiritual man. Okay. That's who Eli is. Then in verse 12, it says, Eli's sons were scoundrels. Oh, very <laughs> Man!
1: Pretty bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, and the, the word scoundrel is not a word that appears in Hebrew. The, 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 the words in Hebrew, is, is Eli's sons were sons of Belial. Oh, wow. wow. Okay, you remember the word Belial? You know, in, um, you in 2 Corinthians 6.15, yeah. Um what do light and darkness have yeah. in common? In, no, do not be yoked to an unbeliever. What does Belial have in... That's yeah. where that's kind of... That's that idea. This kind of... This... Belial is an evil, naughty, mm. ungodly, wicked... So that's kind of... So scoundrel sounds a bit... Like Robin Hood. Kind of like... Yeah. Kind of a bit cool. No. Mm-hmm. They were evil, ungodly, wicked guys. Mm. Yeah? Um, so the Eli's sons were scoundrels. So although he's Mr. Super-Duper religious guy... Yeah? Paid by the church. Not looking at anyone in particular. Amen.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: amen. Um, his sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Ooh, man. Now, it was the practice of the priest that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-ponged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. So this is what the right thing to do. People would bring in their sacrifices, had to be boiled, to boil away the fat. Uh, And what the priest could do, they could stick their fork in, into the pot, and whatever came out, they could have to eat. That's totally fine. The, the, uh, the, The law allowed you to do that. But what what these sons were doing, it says, but even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. But if the person said to him, let the fat be burned first, and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over. Now, if you don't, I'll take it by force. The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. So we get the idea, they didn't want boiled meat, they want roast. And we all like rocks <laughs> but but not when it means disobeying the word of God. Okay, so that's that's really really bad. Verse twenty two, it says now. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, "Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear is spreading among." among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. Okay, so the sons are also priests. They're in the family business, okay? And we learn a little bit more about them. They're kind of sleeping around, okay? So these are not, they're not children as in school-age children. They're, they're, they have a job. They're employed. They're adults. Amen. They're sexually active. They're doing all kinds of stuff. And Eli's uh, he's, he's challenging them. He's rebuking them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, that sounds like that's kind of a right thing to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, re- rebuke bad behavior, mm-hmm. particularly if you're if you're a priest and you aren't following the priestly guidelines. That seems a reasonable thing to do. Okay, well let's let's see what God thought. Yeah, verse twenty-seven. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar to burn incense and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribe for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me? by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel. Therefore the God, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now, the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house, so that no one in it will reach old age. Okay. This is a strong message coming from the Lord. He said, "But wait a minute! Hasn't he kind of challenged his sons? He didn't do nothing. He's rebuked them. He's challenged them. Hmm. What's what's the Lord on about here? Talking about bringing his household to an end? Yeah. When we talk, we try to say we're trying to have dreams for our household, and his kind of his is being his is kind of coming to an end. You know, we get a little bit more of an insight in, in uh, the next chapter, chapter three, verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I'll carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told them that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Okay, that's pretty challenging. Okay, Mm -hmm. so... But surely Eli said something, he rebuked them, but, but God's heart says, No, you failed to restrain them. Your your actions were just words. Yeah. You failed to restrain them. That's a pretty high standard. Yeah. That's that's that is why God was upset. The heart of the matter... is back in verse 29... And it says... God's God's criticism was... You honour your sons more than me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because... Eli's heart was more... For his sons... Than it was for God. Mm. It wasn't... It was not for God... And all for his sons... It was more for his sons... Mm. Than it was for God. And because of that... Yes, he rebuked his kids... But he didn't have the indignance, he didn't follow through to the level that God had expected him to. You know, that's a challenge for us as parents. We love our kids. Don't we? Yeah. Yeah? Yep. yeah. Who knows where their kid is right now? Okay, there's a worrying lack of hands Okay, we're We like, we love them. They're part of they're our creation. We love them. And that's right and that's proper. The challenge is. To love God more. Yeah. To love God more yeah. than, our, than our children. Because otherwise we get the same fate as Eli, which is a scary, scary thought. So it, let's get Jesus' perspective on all of
1: this. Yeah. Matthew 10.
0: Matthew ten thirty four. It says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is a challenging scripture. Okay, it's Jesus kind of saying you think I've come to bring peace? I haven't brought peace. i brought a sword. Whoa. And he talks about, I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to be having lovely, doubly households? And then Jesus comes along and hands out swords in the middle of the household. So we all start fighting one another. Yeah. Like, what is going on? A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. What? But I think the point he's trying to make is, it's the same one that God was trying to make to Eli. In fact, he uses the same pattern of words. You know, God's criticism of Eli was, you honor your sons more than me. Jesus is, you love their son or daughter more than me. Mm. It gives us a little insight. When Jesus is saying, love their sons and daughter more than me as a parent, what does that mean? Well, we can relate it back to, Eli's story and Eli's lack of conviction in restraining his his, his children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this is challenging stuff. Mm-hmm. This challenges me, but this is what the Word of God says. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: So I think for all of us, it's really understanding in the words of Jesus: Do we want peace? Who likes to come home at the end of the long day and just find a peaceful house? Oh, right. oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. Can we have an amen on that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want that? Yeah. A peaceful house. Everything's tidy. The kids yeah. run to the door and say, Hello, Daddy. Yeah. or hello, Mummy. Yeah. I've been a good boy and I've been a good girl. Yeah. <laughs> who doesn't want that? Yeah. yeah, a peace. A peaceful house. Yeah. But the, the thing about peace is you can have peace through compromise. Mm. Or you can have peace through righteousness. Jesus is saying it's peace through righteousness. The challenge with peace through righteousness, you have to fight for it some of the time. And if we love peace, we don't tend to fight. Yeah? Are you with me? Yeah. 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 So this is what I really want us to keep in mind and think about as kind of as, as parents. Again, it starts with us and our own hearts. Yes, I love God. Yes, I love my kids. Is it? Cl- do we clearly love God more? Because if we don't, we will compromise. If we will compromise on actually being the best parents we can be by trying to be the best parents we can be. You know, understand what I mean? Yeah. yeah? It's wow. Do I literally love God more? And my kids. These words of Jesus, after reading them about Eli, really. It's quite shocking.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's quite shocking because we we think about. Loves their son or daughter more than me. No, 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 I don't do that, Lord. But then say, well, how do you restrain your kids? Oh, okay. That's bringing it a bit too close to home. Yeah? What, what standards do I have? What am I willing to do? How far am I willing to go in order to really help my kids understand righteousness? At the end of the day, it's their choice. Right. But what am I doing? How wholehearted am I in that particular process? Some things to first to think about. Amen?
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
0: I know I've talked a lot about of kind of principles. I really do feel like these are the core principles of having a godly household. Okay. Um, and we've um, uh, invited our children just to uh, think about some perspectives they've had again. As adults now looking back to their childhood, what we probably accidentally ended up doing... <laughs> ...that have helped them get to where they are. So Naomi, if I just start. Amen.
3: Well, it's such a privilege for me. I'm I'm so happy that my parents are here, because I just love them so much. And um, it's really inspiring to hear what you were saying about the reasons why you care in the way you do. I wanted to share a bit of um, some of the things that I think they've done... They've helped me to become the person I am. I'm not saying that I'm this perfect person because I see that you when know, I'm really, really not. Um, <laughs> but I think some of the things that they've done have really helped me to grow, and um, and God is still trying to help me in those ways. But hopefully, that these will help you. Um, so, one of the things that I think they've, they've really helped me with is becoming confident in their love for me, um, and I think. They practically did that in quite a few ways. My love language is quality time. Mm -hmm. And I think they gave me so much of that. So me and my mum, my mum's a busy lady, she's a dentist, she works part-time, she does so much stuff for the church as well. Mm -hmm. But she made the time to talk to me and listen to me. And I remember she she said when I was little, she used to just talk to me when I couldn't even talk back. Mm -hmm. Um, But... We used to go out for pudding after dinner sometimes, and we just sit and we talk. And she was so busy, and there was a time where she was ill, like she would get really fatigued. Um, but she still made the time to spend time with me. And I think knowing that she was there to listen and for me to talk to gives me so much security in my in her love for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my dad, um, we had this regular. It was like a weekly Costa time And where after school we'd go and sit in Costa and we'd just talk. And it would be such a variety of topics, there wouldn't be any agenda, but I would be able to offload about my insecurities in school or about guys or just about what I was feeling. And I think um, having a safe place allowed me to become completely confident to tell them anything. And I think, like, for so many girls, there's such a temptation from the world to get that security from a guy. But I think having Dad there being that person allowed me to be secure enough not to feel like I have to always go after that.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, I think also to mother and daughter retreats, my mum always... We always went, like, every single time. And that communicated, this is an important thing. My relationship Mm -hmm. with you is important. Um, My... I also I love all the love languages I think I'm um, but I love that. I love hugs when like as I got older I would love having a hug and my, that's not my mum's love language but she she didn't get that many hugs when she was growing up um but I saw that she changed so that I would feel loved she would give me hugs um, and when I was six she would look after me when I was Crying, and I didn't want a hug, she would give me a hug because she knew that that's what I needed. Um, I think with my dad academically. I, I struggled sometimes to try and prioritize my time well. So he would sit down with me and we'd plan, we'd make plans and plans and plans and plans about my revision. And he'd take time out of his work to help me create a spreadsheet or like to make some kind of table so that I would get my work done. And he'd sit with me and go through these revision cards over and over again. But I think all of those things communicated, I'm important to you, so I don't have to go and try and find security from other places. That was still a huge wrestle for me, but at least I could know I'm loved mm. by them. Yeah. Um, I think they've also helped me to go in confidence. I was such an insecure child, mm. I used to get stomach aches and yeah. I was so anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I, I see now that they were doing specific things to try and help me to grow in my confidence. For example, at church when we were little, when people would say, hello Naomi, and I wouldn't want to say hi back. <laughs> um, me not saying anything wouldn't be acceptable. So if I didn't say hi, my dad would take me and take me to a corner and then say, like, you need to say hi, and this is why you need to say hi. And then he'd make sure we go back and I say hi. Um, But that teaches me it's important for me to to say hello back, and there's a respect of that. And now now I feel like I'm totally fine to say hi. Um, So I think it it helped me. Um, They got me to step out of my comfort zone, so... Music was a big thing in our household and I I played musical instruments and you have to do the grades and you have to go perform in front of an examiner in in places and I never wanted to do them. Every single time I used to go in and come out crying every time, <laughs> and, and then when we'd start the grade again for the next grade, I'd be sitting at the piano feeling, I can't do this, I can't do this dad, I want to give up, at seven, <laughs> and um, they'd sit there, and they'd, they'd work with me, because it was important that I did things outside of my comfort zone, um, and I think I learned a lot from that, they, they sent us away to our grandparents for a week every summer, and it was fun, but there were times where I was kind of scared of my grandma because she had quite a loud voice at times and she would shout sometimes and I would feel like, why have they sent us here? <laughs> and uh, me and Daniel would cry ourselves to sleep a couple of times. Um, but my grandma is amazing, it's just my perspective at that point. Um, but I think sending us away so we would we would learn together was helpful. And now my relationship with my grandparents is amazing and I feel confident in that because they allowed that to happen. Um, and then a practical example, when we used to go to the park, my when I climbed some kind of apparatus, my dad would stand there and say, jump, Naomi. <laughs> and I'd feel like, I can't jump. But he'd say, come on, jump, trust me. And, and I'd do that. And he's later told me why he did that, was to help me to learn to trust, mm. to grow in his confidence. Um, and and that has really helped me to grow up as, as um, a woman. Um, they've also helped me to appreciate church as being an important thing so throughout my life from day zero to now we prioritize church on a sunday we go to church we're all in the car yes we're running around like crazy hooligans 10 minutes before to try and make sure we're on time um but we're, we're there and we, we go and my parents are always there a little bit early to try and serve in some way so that was the norm for me um when I went to sleepovers, which were a huge priority for me because I was so insecure, yes, they'd allow me to go, but the expectation is that you're at church on Sunday and they were going to help me to get there. Um, and for some of us who, for some of you guys who have children who are like deciding university places, um, that was quite an important decision for me. Uh, there's so many unions across the UK where I could go to to study physiotherapy, but I sat down with my dad and he encouraged me to make this spreadsheet again. Um, yeah. um, he encouraged me to make this table of all the universities that do physiotherapy, then where where's the closest church and how far is it away from the university? Um, not in some legalistic way you have to go to church, but because... I have to be with the body. Like, I will starve and I will die if I'm not with it. But he, they allowed me to understand that through my whole life. Um, and the reason for coming to Birmingham was, was for spiritual reasons, and that was facilitated by them. Um, thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> um, they, they also really encouraged me to build godly relationships with other people of my age. Um, so team camps and pre-teen camps, were, every year I could go to one, I went to one. Um, this is going to be the first year I haven't been to a camp since, oh. I don't know, when I was 12, 11. Oh. Um, and I understand now that they're really... I mean, I didn't think about the fact that they were expensive, but they are. But I appreciate the sacrifice that they made to make sure I was there. Because that has helped me to become a disciple. But the, the friendships that I made there are still my closest friends and and there's such a pull from the world especially as an insecure person Mm. such a pull to be be like my friends so I needed something I needed other people trying to find God to help me because I wasn't going to make it alone and um them sending me to preteen and teen camps even when I was nervous very nervous about going to them um has helped me to become a disciple and I realised that they sacrificed to to allow me to do that um and then when my friends were getting baptised, they would allow me to go and travel somewhere to go see them getting baptised. Or some of my friends who live in Liverpool or Surrey, um, it would it would cost some money to get to their house on a train, but they'd allow me to go. And not only did that teach me that they respect me enough to let me go somewhere far away, which made me feel pretty good, um, but it also helped me to... Maintain friendships with people who are going about God, um, which really has helped me to become a disciple and stay a disciple.
1: Um,
3: and and when I was studying the Bible, they I appreciate the fact that they never pushed me. Never, I decided to study the Bible off my own back, which was actually out of insecurity, but it wasn't to do with them. Um, but then when I was studying the Bible, they weren't like in my face in my face about it. They allowed me to develop my own conviction so I know 100% I did not make that decision because of them yes because of them because they facilitated my whole life and tried to help me right. to get there but not because they orchestrated it that you have to do this um which gives me so much security in the decision Amen. and when my aunties or my relatives are like oh you did it just, you did it just because your parents did I'd be like no <laughs> I didn't <laughs> and, um, and and I appreciate that um and lastly, what what has helped me um, about them is that they've allowed me to develop faith and a commitment to the Word. And mm-hmm. when I when I have an issue now, I, I know that the Bible will help me. And I think that's a lot to do with what they've they've done in our relationship. Um, there was an expectation to have a quiet time all throughout my life, and um, I think when when I was young, it was. Yeah, you just do it because mum and dad say so. And I think that's okay when you're young. I needed that because otherwise I will just watch TV or something. Um, but seeing them have their own quiet times, coming downstairs and seeing dad singing and and praying and reading and seeing mum in the kitchen before work reading makes it a normal thing for me. Mm-hmm. So learning about having a quiet time when I was studying the Bible wasn't an abnormal thing. It was a, an expectation. Um we sing when we're in the car. We sing songs to God. Um, we were encouraged to go and look in the Bible, or pray about different topics. Um, and when I had questions, I could ask them about what they understood the scriptures to mean. In our cost of times, or in our pudding times. Um, but it always came back to the word. And even hearing you guys share up here, it makes me so much so confident in in you guys, in your relationship with each other. I think the Word is involved in that and, and it makes me excited for my present and my future because I see what people living for God looks like. Like mm-hmm. that their marriage is continuing when everyone else's is not. Um, mm-hmm. um, when they love people and they're hospitable, I see that it works and that that is from the Word. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing that they've helped me to have faith in God and have faith in the Word. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Okay. Hi everyone, um, I'm Daniel, I'm 19 years old And before I start, I'd just like to say thank you to the Birmingham Church for looking after my sister no. um, Because I remember when she originally said she wanted to go to Birmingham, I was pretty disappointed no. <laughs> Because I wanted her to stay in London, I was like, how can you guys take her away from me? <laughs> um, but you definitely looked after her for the, the last three years and for her being um, working in Birmingham as well So thank you very much to all you guys um, But uh, yeah, she shared five things about um, why our parents um, well, Good things that our parents did I'm just going to share three She likes them a lot more than I did so. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I do love my parents But the first thing that, that really stood out to me Was that um, I knew I was loved deeply Just like she was um, And it was different with both parents But with my dad, it's because he spent a lot of time with me um, from a young age, Naomi shared about mother and daughter retreats um, Me and my dad went on all the father and son retreats okay. And that was huge for me um, Not just in terms of building relationships with other boys around the kingdom But in terms of um, building that time with my dad And father and son retreats was, apart from Christmas, was the highlight of my year Even before birthdays, I think Just because it was a great time away yeah. with my dad yeah. um, We used to go to the gliding club together My dad's, um, quite an, well, he has been quite an avid glider pilot um, and we used to go up there together, spend the whole day together um, travel um, up and down in the cars, like an hour car journey. We'd get to chat and hang out and things like that. we play football together in the garden, in the parks. Um, he'd take me to football games, football matches, football practice. And, uh, and that wasn't just when I was a kid, but that's continued to today. Not in football, but um, I do quite a lot of athletics. I train uh, every day at the moment. Um, but he comes to me with training on a Monday, on a Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and a Sunday. So he comes to a lot of my sessions and that takes takes quite a lot of commitment. He's a very busy man, Um, he's got a busy job, Um, he's got a lot of things to do in the kingdom but I understand that I'm important to him and that definitely means a lot. With my mum we didn't um, do so many things like that together but what we did do is, is spend time chatting together. Um, in the kitchen wherever she was making food I'd, I'd be sat there and I'd be able to chat about our days and chat about how, how things were going and I really appreciated that and one of the things I appreciate most about my mum was that for some reason she always seemed to know what I needed to hear um, I think that's just a motherly instinct um, but she'd always tell me the truth uh, sometimes I didn't like to hear what she was saying but it was what I needed to hear and she never like backed down from that
1: yeah.
4: um, and another way I really feel love for my mum is how much she serves she's probably the person who I know is the most serving of of anyone I've ever met, um, in the way that she, um, not just like cooking and cleaning and stuff like that, but she really like pours her heart out for for me, and that's really, really important. Um, And I can tell that both my parents really care about me, and and I'm not just a side project, because they both had friends, had hobbies, had had careers before I was born, um, but I knew that to them I'm important um and that they genuinely enjoy my company. I think as kids we can quite easily tell whether someone loves us because they have to or because they want to. Mm. And you see like in, in T V programs and things about um dads like enjoying hanging out with their like their friends in the pub and like groaning about and go back to their families and that definitely wasn't the way it was with my family. Like I um, I genuinely believe that my parents like enjoy my company and that's a that's a big deal for a kid. Um, And that made it so much easier for me to love and respect my parents, um, not just when I was young, but through my teenage years, because I understood and appreciated that they really loved me. So that's the first thing the second thing is similar to Naomi's as well we did all this independent of each other but we seem to come up with the same points but uh, they made me do things that I didn't really want to do um, and just like Naomi I was an incredibly shy and scared child I was afraid of literally everything and I say everything I mean everything um, the dark um, for one um, I couldn't sleep with the hallway light off um, and so my parents would leave it on but inevitably they have to switch it off and they go to bed so if I woke up in the middle of the night and the light was off, like I would freak out, it would be horrendous, I'd um, like call for my mum and if she couldn't hear me I'd run directly down the corridor to her bedroom and I could hear the little tapping on the door in the night and it would be me, and then um, yeah that's just an example of how scared I was, and I, I was even scared of family members there's a guy called Uncle John who's my Uncle John um, he's my dad your uncle and he's a lovely guy like as I've got to know him older he's, he's such a, a nice guy but he had this like white beard and, uh, it really freaked me out but um, yeah I was, just, I was just scared of that scared of family um, friends scared of people at the church the people I see every week I'd still be afraid of I'd be scared of going to football training going to school literally literally everything and if if I had my way i probably would have spent my whole childhood sat at home by myself not having to interact with anyone with the lights on obviously <laughs> but, but my parents made me do things that I, I didn't want to do um they made me go to my football matches and football training from like the age of five and six just to encourage me to be out of myself one thing i appreciate my my mom doing was um i used to do a lot of cross-country races when i was a kid um yeah, ten, eleven, and I'd go away with my cross country team, and it's not just a youth team; like there'd be the whole club. So there'd be like an adults' league and a, a kids' league. And uh, when my dad couldn't take me to the cross country races, I'd have to go on a bus with all like the adults. There wouldn't be very many kids, and my mum would take me to the coach, which left from like near where we lived. And I could, she could see on me that like the visible distress I was in about having to get on this bus and go to this race. Um, and I could see the distress on her face because she didn't like. I could tell she didn't want to like let me go and let me go out of her care but but she let me go because she realized i like i needed that and that was that was something that that although she didn't want to do it like the benefits of that would outweigh outweigh like the costs and uh, at the time obviously it felt like punishment um it felt like like why are you leaving me
1: um and even
4: with with like going to bed um I wasn't just afraid of the dark I'd be afraid of just going up the stairs To my bedroom Even if the lights are on um, But But my parents would try And make me walk up the stairs By myself um, And obviously that's quite a, that was quite a big task for me So they'd like, try and get me to go five steps by myself And then come with me the rest of the way um, But for me It felt like punishment In the fact that they were there And they could just help me Get up the stairs And everything would be fine But they didn't And And we talk about it now And we laugh about it Um but, but they battle against me and my will um, In order to help me grow And help me develop And, and help me uh, grow as a person um, and, and one thing obviously That helped me grow in my confidence But more importantly It really helped me to trust in their decision making um, Especially in the future Because I realised that at the time It seemed like a terrible decision And I completely disagreed with everything they were doing And I felt like they hated me But as got old, I got older, I realised they were doing it out of love mm. So now when they tell me things that I don't agree with um, And I don't think it's the right way of doing it Then I understand I still find it hard to do those things But I understand that they're probably probably right uh, And they're, they're doing it out of Even if they aren't right They're doing it out, cause, cause out of love and, and because they love me um, And it was all based on love um, And the third thing Which is the most important thing and It ties quite well with my dad's last point Was the fact that God was definitely first in our household um, and that's the thing I appreciate most about our relationship And you didn't, you didn't pay me to say this This is generally my conviction um, <laughs> I, And I knew they loved me wholeheartedly uh, I knew I was a huge part of my, of, of their world as I shared um, But it was clear, very clear That God was number one And I respect you guys as Christian parents Because, um, I mean, if I had a, a, like a wife and kids I'd want to like have them as the thing I love most but, but, you, but God has to be number one As my dad talked about And... Um, and it was definitely clear, because my parents talked about God a lot, um, we had family meals together, and we had devos afterwards, uh, we pray all the time, and have to read the Bible every day from a young age. I remember at primary school, uh, my mum would wake me up at 7am every morning, um, and my school started at 5 to 9, um, and it was like a five minute walk up the road, so was, there was no obvious need for me to wake up at 7, um, but it was so that I could have a quiet time and read my kid's Bible I still remember that kid's Bible it was really good um, and, and mm-hmm. prayed to God in the morning um, and it was you yeah, know it was so clear the fact that as Naomi shared we never missed church unless we were like physically away missing um, with family or anything like that even when I was I remember I was sick like a physically was sick like I threw up um, one morning and my mum still took me to church and gave me a sick bucket and made me sit in a kingdom kids class just because I
1: was to
4: be at home by myself and it's and you can like we all know it's important to have God first but like why why is that important from like a kid's perspective Um, and you can tell us as kids that God's important and we'll hear you um, but unless we see like our parents practicing um, what they preach it doesn't mean anything um, and kids, like We may be young, but we can see What's genuine and what's not We can tell whether teachers genuinely like kids When they're teaching uh, We can tell whether they genuinely like The, the topic that they're teaching um, And even, like The biggest um, battle I've ever had With my dad in our relationship Was over the issue of um, like Practicing um, what what's being preached Because, um, like, I did a lot of sports And he was very involved in that But, um there was a point when I was like 11 or 12 um, I'd been training really hard and um, my dad wasn't in a, like the best physical condition he'd ever been in and I was trying to encourage him um, to do more physical activity um, and I didn't go about it in the best way possible and I've had to like, learn from that and work through that. Um, but I felt like it was really hard for me because I was doing all this training and he wasn't doing all this training and, and I felt like he wasn't practicing what he preached. And out of all the... the Things that have um, been in our relationship—that was like the most negative thing. It just shows how important it is for a kid to understand that their their parents like teach, pre- live what they teach, mm-hmm. um, and, and like things are a lot better now. We, we run together twice a week, and he's thinking of doing a, a half marathon soon, which is seriously encouraging. Um, but what I, but that my my parents I feel like they 100% practiced um, that God comes first and one thing was firstly it made me realise that although I'm important I'm not the most important because I think as kids we can uh, often think we're in, uh, the centre of the world uh, we can take things for granted um, I see a lot of people nodding um, we can take things for granted we can ex- expect a lot of things that, um, that we think should be really simple but honestly aren't um, and it was clear to me that God was the centre. And and secondly, it made it far easier for me to listen to my parents. Because um, it's hard for kids because, like, as a kid you have this authority as a parent. But you look at your parents and you think, they don't have an authority. There's no one telling them what to do. Um, so where are they getting all their rules from? And it, it can, like, feel quite difficult in that way. It can be hard to listen to them. But for my parents, I knew that God was their authority. Yeah. Um, and that God was my authority too. And so that the rules they had for me weren't just opinions they weren't just the way they liked to do things but they were commands of God um, and that they were called to the same standard that I was being called to and it doesn't matter so much when your kids are young but like as I was growing up through my teenage years as I saw my friends um, doing different things to me um, my friends at school um, having different lives having different rules that their parents had um, it made it much easier for me to like take what my parents said um, made it much easier to like build for the future and in the long run um, my parents were a great example of of what a life um, devoted to God actually looked like um, and I knew that like a life with God is like legitimately the best life mm. and it's one of the reasons I started uh, studying the Bible um, and that was like the best decision of my life was becoming a Christian and I have a lot um, a lot of that is down to my parents so uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Thank you.
0: So in Acts 16, 31, it says, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. So if, if we leave you with anything what? let's have a dream yeah. our whole household yeah. God can do that hopefully some of the things we've shared and the children have shared can really help us let's start with the dream let's work on the practicalities in the heart let's see what God
1: will do yeah. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks uh, to the Rodden family. That was, that was fantastic. Um, uh, Time is
4: of the essence. We only have this place till 7. So what I think we could do is at this point let the Rodden family go through, get a drink, get a bite to eat. And then we're going to put four chairs up here, and then we'll just follow them. We could really just be efficient and not fellowship, but just really go through the line. Then we can sit back down and have a little Q&A while we're, while we're having a snack uh, and, and just ask ask the Rodden family some questions. Um and uh, at this point, maybe we'll just, we'll just we'll just raise our hands just for sake of time, just yeah, to yeah. give us as much time as possible to do a little bit of Q and A. We can stop right here, and I think we'd all be good. Yeah. Uh, but let's just get a little bit
1: more from them here while we have the facility. So if we let the random family go first, um, and then we'll just follow them if they, if they
4: want something, uh, and then we'll just come right back to our seats and, and do some Q A. <laughs>